0: Hello and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick.
1: The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of the modern monocle. Stopping the copyright police from pulling the wall on us. Painting and taking on all the plates to pay control. trolls. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Putin and do their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand
0: up to them, someone will get hurt. to grab a shovel and Uh, Last year, we got a fairly interesting request from Renee DiResta as part of her Mozilla Fellowship, which was, could we craft an in-person event that would help prepare people for the, well, uh, unfortunate expected flood of disinformation that was likely to play a role in the 2020 American elections? Uh, Working together with Randy Lubin from Leverage Play, who we've had on the podcast multiple times before, uh, we created an in-person event game called ThreatCast 2020. We had originally hoped and planned uh, to run it as an in-person event a bunch of times this year to prepare people for this election, but of course then the pandemic hit and the idea of doing in-person events or in-person anything uh, sort of went away. Uh, So at the beginning of the summer, when we started to recognize that uh, it was probably going to be quite some time before in-person events were a thing again, uh, we started working on different ways to convert ThreatCast 2020 into an online experience uh, using a, a pretty fun virtual events platform called Remo. And so we've now run ThreatCast 2020 a few times as an online uh, game, uh, including for private organizations that have commissioned us to run it, as uh, a sort of a combination team building exercise slash brainstorming scenario planning tool for the election. Uh, and because the whole thing was so interesting, uh, we thought it might be uh, a good idea to do it as a to talk about it as a podcast discussion. Talk about how we designed the game and what it, what it was uh, about. So on the podcast today. Uh, we have once again Randy Lubin from Leverage Play, and also Lee Beeden from here at Techter and Copia, to talk about Threatcast. Uh, what the idea behind the game was, how it works, and all of that. And I will note uh, right here at the top that we are still very much looking for organizations who might want to commission us to run this, or potentially to create other serious games that help you either or help people that you work with either understand uh, and to better explain complex topics or to explore the future. So Randy, I will start with you, uh, since you and I worked together to build the original in person game. Do you want to describe the basics of how the game works and, and what it, what it is? Sure thing. Thanks
1: for having me back on the podcast. So uh, this game, unlike some of our other games, was really focused on the brainstorming aspects. So previous games and other games we're currently working on are much more about understanding complex systems and the dynamics within it and getting players to build empathy with certain actors in those systems. But this was really about, OK, let's generate a lot of ideas so we can try and see around the corner uh, what, might, what might be uh, used by bad actors uh, to manipulate the election. Um, and to do that, we, we used an array of game design tactics. So uh, we broke people into different teams to try and get uh, a wide variety of types of uh, folks who might be manipulating the media with different assets at their disposal and different goals. Um, our different, we had five different teams, which were um, across the US political spectrum. We had uh, the progressive Democrats, centrist Democrats, uh, more of the old school Ronnie Reagan Republicans, and then the Trump uh, group, Trump era new Republicans. Uh, and then beyond that, we had uh, chaos agents, which was sort of a catch all for uh, folks who um, were perhaps not directly trying to win the election as much as cause lots of chaos. Although they definitely wanted, you know, had their favorites in the election, too. So <laughs> that was sort of a stand in for Russia, China, Iran. Um, and so we had people in these different groups and the game itself played out across originally across five rounds. And then in the most recent version, we boiled it down to four to make it a little more efficient uh, in terms of running it online. And uh, those four rounds advanced in time. Um, so when, when we did the first version of this last November, uh, the first round was very focused on the primaries for uh, the left. And uh, on the right, on whether uh, Trump would be acquitted or not after the impeachment. Uh, That also served to be a little bit of a training wheels as folks got the uh, mechanics under their belt for the first time. But in the the more recent version, um, the the four rounds were, you know, one, focused on August and September, looking at the conventions and the debates. Uh, Two, looking at October with the final debates and the final real big push. Uh, The third round was just focused on voting right around the election itself. And the fourth was the aftermath. Uh, so, after election day, how you make sense of whatever chaos just happened
0: <laughs> right because we we want and that part was kind of important to us because we sort of recognized that whatever is happening in the disinformation space doesn't suddenly go away after November third right
1: right if only <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so with that framing so the game as I said, the game's played over four rounds, uh and in each round, because we wanted this to be a very brainstorm centric game, we have each team brainstorming and proposing uh, two main interventions, ways that they're going to try and sway the election in their favor, or perhaps not even as focused on the election, but focused on just other factors of what's going on in the discourse um, in, in the American populace. And so uh, to, to be more specific, each round we had teams submit two ideas. One was meant to be more of a practical intervention, and one was more experimental, with the former being something that was you know, not too out there in terms of what might be tried and what might succeed, and the other being... Pretty wild, but if it succeeds, huge impact. Um, And the idea is that all these must use technology in some way, um, because we really wanted to keep it focused on the use of of technology to influence the election. Um, And so we we, we had had some criteria, so it has to leverage technology, it has to be creative in the method or the intended effect. We didn't want to see everybody round after round using deepfix, because that wasn't going to forge anything new. So we said, you know, each round, it has to keep being novel. Um, And then we wanted a specific goal, and the specific goal was important because all of this was being, all the different interventions were being judged. Um, For each event, we pulled together a panel of judges uh, who uh, were often experts in either uh, elections or misinformation and disinformation, Uh, and the judges would be evaluating these ideas, which would then flow into our back-end model, which was a a fairly lightweight way of simulating the electorate, um, which would then feed back into polling updates uh, and other things we were tracking, such as like social cohesion across the country. And so every round, we'd have the ideas submitted, we'd have the judges quickly judge them in our spreadsheet in our back end, and then we'd present the polling updates to everyone else. Um, oh, the other key piece I, I neglected to mention. So for each of these rounds, uh, we provided players with a zeitgeist. What's happening during this time period that you can riff off of, remix uh leverage uh work into your own propaganda um so a lot of our theme a a lot of our broader game design principle when it comes to supporting a brainstorm game is giving lots of scaffolding for players who might not either be super familiar with the technology with the actors and their incentives um or even what you know with some of the broader dynamics in this case in u.s politics and elections and so the zeitgeist ended up being very helpful so things in the zeitgeist well Mike, do you want to share what we had in the zeitgeist back in November?
0: In, in the original one, the, the one where yeah. we had a, a pandemic taking over and causing all sorts of health scares? <laughs> yeah, we got it wrong because we had flu, not uh, coronavirus. Yeah, well, we, but... we, didn't, we didn't realize it would be coronavirus. <laughs> but we did, in our original November version, we did predict that, that the flu would have a major impact. on, on the, A, a pandemic-level flu would have a, an impact on the election. Um, I don't know if... Um, yeah. So maybe we can, we can take the blame for, for the oh, that. Oh, you know, and not
1: only that, but we also had, uh, something that wasn't too dissimilar from the, uh, Seattle, cha- uh, chop Chaz style yeah, right. occupy, um, dynamic. Um, we, we did miss anything related to, to George Floyd though. Uh, so yeah. anyway, we had, we had these types of what's going on in the world or might be going on that you can, um, then riff and remix on, for example, Sometimes it's a small gaffe, like we had one where Biden accidentally mixes up Kanye West and uh, Will Smith. Um, or sometimes it's it's much bigger in terms of like a nationwide wrench strike.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that that was sort of an important element to the design. I think there were two things that I wanted to just highlight that, that you discussed, but I just wanted to call out separately. One is, you know, the framework here, because there are a lot of people who do events that are just sort of like brainstorming. And you put a bunch of people in a room and you're like, go, you know, <laughs> or you have like... You know, post-it notes and big easel pads <laughs> and and that's it. Um, and I think that's that's very difficult for people to really get into unless it's like the type of thing that they do all the time. Whereas this and making it like an actual game and there are goals and you have a team and you're competing and you have all of this this scaffolding around it. Um, was part of what made it work really well. And people got really, really, really into it. Um, in some cases, really you know, uh, embracing the roles that they had uh, been given. Um, and then I the think sec- also...
2: Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, finish, finish your thought.
0: <laughs> sure. So I was going to say, and then the second piece that I think worked really well and was important, which you mentioned, is the fact that with each of the interventions that we asked the teams to engage in, we had that set up of... Uh, you know one that was practical, one that was more likely to work, but maybe less of an impact, and the second that was the more experimental, like really go for it you know uh you know high risk high reward kind of situation because I think you know when you put people in a brainstorming position it 's you know which ones they 're going to go for uh without that guidance could vary widely. And by setting it up where you wanted to do one of each, I think that really put people in a good framework and, and made the interventions more interesting, both on the practical side and on the extreme side. Um, I think without that framing, you tend to get people would even probably go even wilder, but, but not very practical and not very useful in terms of you know, learning from the game. You know, part of the idea behind the game is to think about things that might actually happen. Yeah, and I think
2: that connects with that dynamic you were saying about how we had the zeitgeist mixed of sort of, you know, big national and important news things with just the little things that were going on in the culture. I think that also sort of fosters that because that's, you know, a very big reality of interacting with politics and these things today, you know, all the time. I'm looking at my Twitter trending topics right now and it's, you know... Hundreds hospitalized in salmonella (laughs) outbreak. Next to the Mandalorian, and so you know, uh, so it was. Yeah, I think we had a lot of that sort of you know two halves of things that encourage people to think in both ways, and you know, yeah, I
1: think that worked out really well. Yeah, and on top of that, we had a, a manipulation inspiration sheet, which had different categories of possible targets of interventions, tactics, technologies channels and goals. So if if folks were feeling super creative and brought a lot of their own context, they could ignore the sheet and just throw in their own ideas. But if folks ever had a little bit of writer's block or, or were struggling to get an idea, they could always turn to the sheet and say, okay, well, maybe this target with this tactic and I'll pull something from the zeitgeist. Uh, I'll, I'll give a specific example. An example that we give uh, during the workshop at the beginning of the game mm-hmm. uh, might be, okay, we're going to try voter suppression and we're going to use self-driving cars. And we're going to do that to create we're, we're going to falsely request a bunch of rides on like Lyft and Uber to create some gridlock near our opposing party's uh, most populous voting um, voting stations and, and try and decrease voter turnout that way. And so you can, if you want, you can kind of Mad Libs together to get in the vicinity of an idea, which you can then refine. Right.
2: Yeah, and in addition to that sheet, they also each had, of course, a sheet about their faction, and, I re- and th- that gave them some of the sort of the assets for their area of the spectrum, right? We didn't mention that. But, you know, each team, you know, some of the teams have lots of money in a big war chest. Some of the teams have a really activated populace of people who are coming out to support them and so on. And then, you know, each team also had a secret weapon. Uh, I don't know if, Randy, you wanted to talk a bit about that uh, side of it, because I think that was a really fun aspect as well.
1: Yeah, so in addition to the um, in addition to the interventions, the two interventions per round, once during the entire game, each team had a secret weapon they could deploy. And these ranged from, uh, I think on the progressive left, they were able to have a huge nationwide protest, um, you know, huge turnout in the streets and, and marches um, a, in, in alignment with a specific uh, objective or goal mm-hmm. or ask. Uh, and then on the... Um, chaos agent side, they could pull off a massive hack at one point, which might be about uh, really uh, creating uncertainty around specific infrastructure, or it could be about getting access to uh, emails or other privileged information.
0: Yeah. And so there was a lot that, that that was something that we added sort of late in the process when we designed the game, but I think it really helped um, add to the, the kind of realism of the game as well. Um, because those things do happen, uh, and and it sort of felt, uh, it worked really well within the game, and I think it was a, that was a really useful tool. Um, so with that, I did want to then talk a little bit about how we then moved that. This is all describing, I mean, honestly, it's how, describing how both the games played, both in person and online, but I want to talk a little bit about how we moved it to to the online world using this platform that we discovered called Remo. It was kind of, you know, when we started investigating this, it was interesting to discover that there were like, <laughs> like a hundred different uh, virtual event platforms out there. It is a very, very competitive space. Uh, but for when, when I saw Remo, I realized that it was pretty unique. Um, you know, most of them are sort of focused on on kind of like a Zoom-like experience of you know, a, a big screen talking head and everybody just gets to watch. And, and maybe you can have like breakout groups, um, or, you know, or other kinds of, of interactions. But Remo was really designed to simulate a, a real sort of event setup with different tables where, you know, when people are talking on stage, then, you know, you're quiet at your table. But, um, between that, um, you're you're able to really interact with the people at your table and in in with Remo you can sort of get up and move tables, though we didn't use that functionality. Um, yeah,
2: I mean, I've seen you over the years looking into different platforms for various purposes. I've rarely seen you as excited <laughs> about the possibilities of a platform as you were with Remo. You, you were, and, and you were right; like it, it had a huge amount of potential.
0: Yeah, it still does. It still does. Yes. So we may be we may be doing a lot more with it. So yeah, again, I'll say, if you want some sort of interesting, different online event. Uh, or sort of like online game or simulation kind of thing, contact us because we're exploring a whole bunch of different things right now. Um, But uh, Lee, do you want to talk a little bit about about how we used Remo and how we sort of uh, converted Remo to, to use for ThreatCast?
2: Yeah, I mean, it It was, you know, it was fun to do because the, the base of the platform is pretty straightforward. Like you described, you've got sort of, you know, when you join a remote conference, there's a floor plan of, you know, like an office building or a conference space kind of type thing with all separate tables that people can join up to. And then a few little extra bits and pieces that as the event operator, you can put in there like sponsor links and, uh, and a key to it, which is a live streaming video, which is sort of how we made this possible. Um, but the great Great feature that they made available was the ability to upload a custom floor plan. They have a pretty nice automated system for it, or mostly automated system, where you you know set it all up as a vector file and get it in there, and you can thus design your own floor plan. So we were able to build something custom for the game with tables for each of the teams that sort of have some color and some style to them. So it's very visually obvious that there's all these separate teams sitting across the spectrum. But our big challenge at the beginning was what to do about the presentation because the game hinges around when you did it in person. I wasn't there for that but, you know, uh, ran it using a Google Slides presentation showing in each round those zeitgeist elements we were talking about and then after each round showing the results of the judging and where the polling is at. And it's funny actually because even when you did it in person we had to hack around it a little bit because <laughs> you couldn't you couldn't update the uh, graphs live in presentation mode so Randy had to build a special browser extension to help us uh, fake presentation mode on the slides and then um back around to doing it for Remo we again sort of had to figure out a way to hack that in there because Remo didn't have a built-in system for sort of displaying a presentation or graphs or anything like that Um, What we realized we could do is live stream it as a YouTube video uh, from one of our computers and have that embedded in the Remo floor plan because that is one of the features. So, you know, it took some experimenting and finagling, but we set it up into, you know, this big floor plan with all of the team tables and with a big... Board in the middle that is really a live stream YouTube video, but that is our presentation showing each round uh, what's going on in the world, and then of course the key to it is you know showing people their results and what impact they had on the on the electorate. So we we tracked you know and showed graphs for. Not just where the voting's at and the polling's at, but what the attitude of the voters is and what the sort of general uh, sentiment of the country and the voting base is based on things, which I think, you know, was a really fun aspect of it as well. And, uh, yeah, I mean, basically... I think what we discovered was there's a lot you can do with Remo. There's, of course, as always with something like this, millions of little features that you kind of wish you had or that you wish worked <laughs> differently, but you can always find a way to make them work. And, and at, at the core, it's super flexible. And I think it made us excited about what other things we could do with it as well. Like you said, we didn't really make a lot of use of the ability to move around between tables. We brought people in and sent them all to their team tables and then started the game. Uh, It would be really fun to do something where we've got people shifting around from table to table and uh, engaging in some sort of game that makes use of that. Um, But yeah, I don't know know that there's a lot else to say about transferring it to online. It really was, you know, it would have been very difficult to do... As just like a Zoom call with a desktop share or something, you know, I think we could have found a way to make make that work, but I don't know that it would have been nearly as special or as memorable, um, or, or really sort of felt as immersive and engaging, uh, if we did it that way. So, and also I think people are getting a little bit sick of zoom calls, right? So so it was nice to, we've heard
0: that definitely from people who, who have played the game, the online version of the game where they were saying it was, you know, it was very, very different and did not feel at all like a zoom call. Um, which was you know definitely part of what we were trying to do i think I think it you know yes, you could sort of hack it to to do it through zoom or a zoom like platform, but this was this felt very very different I mean it really is designed to make you feel like you are at that table. Um, Yeah,
2: and and we had a little bit of emergent use of the platform that we didn't totally anticipate, too, because Remo does, like most things, have a sort of text chat system built in alongside the conference call features. And what people started doing the first time we ran it online, and we embraced and made a part of it the second time we ran it online, was using the text chat in Remo, which is public to all the tables, sort of like the Twitter of this fictional timeline that we're in. And I think that was a lot of fun, and that was a really cool thing we didn't anticipate that now we're going to make you know a big part of it moving forward where all throughout the game while the tables and teams are planning and stuff people are you know having a little fun and sort of being a little cheeky and tweeting out what's going on and hashtagging things and you know tweeting out misinformation and and all of that yeah
0: trash talking each other yes (laughs) yes (laughs) which also definitely added to the fun so um yeah you know honestly you know there are a little little couple things around Remo that that could be improved but um and that we learned as we were doing it but honestly it really worked out amazingly well and i think created a really fun and very very different kind of online experience um and so I I was really really happy that that not only was I excited beforehand but I was still (laughs) excited after we actually yeah
2: (laughs) well and you've been sharing because you joined that um group or slack or whatever it was so you've been sharing some of the images of floor plans of what other people have been coming up with for Remo events and stuff and uh you know I think it's going to keep getting more and more interesting because lots of people are trying to do creative stuff with it we've seen some pretty creative ideas from other people in terms of their you know Remo layouts and how they're using the platform so And I know that the Remo team uh, is, you know, continuing to develop new features as well. So I think we're just going to keep seeing uh, more interesting things come out of that and uh, hopefully more, you know, cool games that we can make using it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're we're definitely exploring lots of lots of cool ideas with it. Um, so to to bring it back to ThreatCast, I wanted to talk a little bit though, because a couple of people have asked me, you know, when hearing about it that we're doing it, they're sort of asked, you know, what is it that we're trying to accomplish? Um, what is the idea here? Um, and I described it a little bit at top and we've sort of mentioned it a little bit along the way, but I think it's actually important to, to sort of call that out. And, and, you know, realistically, the idea was that we know that, you know, and certainly we've already seen that misinformation, disinformation, especially using technology is going to, to, to be here and is likely to play a pretty big role some way, um, In the election and in future elections. And, you know, part of what took people by surprise, I think, in 2016 was how that came about and how it was used. And people were just not expecting it to be used in the way that it was. Um, And... Uh, you know our ability to ac- accidentally <laughs> predict a pandemic, notwithstanding. You know we were not looking at this as a tool for prediction, uh, but more in the sort of traditional scenario planning concept of thinking through many different things that might happen, so that if any of them does, or if anything within that realm does happen. Um, that you have some, you've thought through it before and that you've thought through ways that like, how would you counter this kind of thing? How would you deal with this? How would you react to this? Um, And so as a tool, you know, that's really what the, what ThreatCast is designed to do to get, to act as a, a sort of a scenario planning style tool to get people to think through all of these different ideas and, and hopefully be prepared for them, uh, recognizing that whatever happens in real life will probably be a little different, but but maybe it'll have, you know, echoes from, from the kind of stuff that we, we brainstormed. And I think we were pretty successful on that front.
2: Yeah, I mean, we stressed a lot, We, you know, the goal of this was not to predict the election outcome or, or any of the other specific things, but especially that, right, we do, you know, the teams are competing to win the election and we've got our model developing what happens uh, in the presidential ballot and down ballot, Um But, you know, our aim was not to get an act, like, try to accurately predict what those numbers are going to be, because, you know, that just feels almost impossible. And part (laughs) part of the nature of this sort of wild disinformation and this creative use of technology is that, you know, it can lead to really wild, unpredictable results, and it can swing things in really strange ways. So it really was more identifying that. I mean, you know, similarly... Uh, the possibility of the same things happening but being used by different people for different purposes it really was about brainstorming the techniques and you know maybe in our simulation the trump republicans use such and such a technique to do something maybe in real life it's actually the chaos agents or the you know whatever right and so maybe the same technique comes up but actually has a whole different impact because it's being used for a different purpose so it, it really was about brainstorming those techniques
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to note that, yeah, this is not an election simulation. It's an election disinformation simulation, right? Uh, you know, there is an election that plays out throughout the course of the game and there are results to the election. Um, but, you know, we, we sort of designed it to stress much more that we're interested in learning about the disinformation aspect as opposed to, you know, which which team wins. Um, and I think that's, that's kind of an, an important element of it. Um do we want to talk a little bit also about just kind of generally high level things that we've learned from playing it and in, in terms of how all these interactions go I'll take silence as yes <laughs> <laughs> Um you know you know now that we've run it a few times both both offline and both online and offline um you know I thought it was it it remains really interesting sort of how the different teams effectively interact even though they're not directly communicating with each other um, and how the different strategies sometimes worked you know sort of uh, together well or sort of multiply each other whereas sometimes do actually counteract each other's activities Um, and it's interesting in in ways that it, it does seem to reflect real life you know I know in one of the times that we ran it that you know, a couple of people noted that like the chaos team was somewhat superfluous because everybody else was causing so much chaos um, that they weren't sure that they even needed to do anything. Um, Though in a in a similar run, I think this is in
1: the first run. Uh, everyone thought that the chaos agents and the Trump team were like completely coordinating, like totally in lockstep. And it you turned out they were the two colluding? tables weren't communicating at all. It's just that right. their incentives happened to be aligned, and it just appeared that they were in total collusion. Right? Yeah, yeah, which was
0: definitely one of the most interesting things that we saw because it, like, the the strategies that the chaos agents and the Trump team in that game uh, came up with really like played so nicely together it really looked like they were designed to complement each other and that one was done in the room and we were there and you know it was very clear that that uh, they were not communicating they were actually physically separated from each other Um, and yet you know so it was kind of interesting to see all that play out just at the same time there was you know all this talk about whether or not uh, you know the Russians and the Trump campaign colluded or not or whether it just looked like they colluded uh, and you could you know so you could see from that how there could very much be a situation where things look like they were done in 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 coordination with one another but it just happened that because of similar goals and similar ideas it, it the appearance was there but the reality of actually communicating was was not necessarily um, and that was sort of a fascinating thing that I think I think we learned um you know i i think there were a few other things that i i found really interesting i mean sort of um i to some extent depending on how different factions are doing within the game sort of how desperate they get (laughs) um you know i think that we saw you know especially when teams were sort of not having as much success they went for a little bit more of a Deeper Hail Mary kind of play, um, do things a little bit more extreme, um, which perhaps makes sense um, and perhaps reflects reality. Um, you know, so I, on I...
1: the flip side of that, we we also saw, and this is one of the things that we, in each iteration, we kept trying to get a little better at, was we saw teams getting disengaged when it felt like their goals were, were unobtainable. Like, the, the we had the most difficulty properly setting up the Romney-Reagan Republicans, yeah. where ideologically they weren't necessarily aligned with the Trumpists, and certainly not the chaos agents. Um, but they also weren't particularly aligned with the left, and it just left them in a weird space. So... Um, where in, in the early iteration of the game, they kind of struggled to find something really meaningful to do and and, and get their hooks in. Uh, by the end of it, we made it so that they could really focus on down-ballot instead, so on, on right. Congress. And, you know, complete, complete change at that point because I think the most recent play that we saw, that team kind of throw Trump under the bus and be like, all right, we are just going to focus on trying to maintain our hold on the Senate, and, and that's it. And they ended in, our, you know, in the game, at least, they succeeded.
2: Yeah. yeah, and I think it showed, you know, your model and the judging worked very well on that front because we did it twice online. And the first time, that team didn't do that quite so much. They didn't quite so laser focus on the down ballot. And in the end, they didn't win the down ballot, right? I believe right. in that one, uh, the Democrats took, The presidency house and the senate in your model right um and then in the next version of it when they really turned their attention fully down ballot they flipped it the democrats still won the presidency but the republicans held on to congress and took and i believe took back the house of representatives in that one right um so it did come through when that team focused down ballot they got they got a lot out of it
0: yeah yeah, uh, I mean, I think yeah. So I mean, it is interesting that we we definitely do. Again, it's not designed to be an an actual election simulation, but we do see different results based on different strategies.
2: Uh, yeah. No, I should. Yeah, I am contradicting what I said before about yeah. not trying to predict. But but that is there as a motivation for the players in the right. moment and to give them some meaning to coming up with their interventions and yeah. their their. And there is, and stuff, uh, you know, right? yeah. I
0: mean, uh, you know, it is this model that Randy built um, that I think is well, it is you know, relatively simple, but the interaction of the different, um, you know, interventions and the judging and the model, I think is, is pretty good and, and realistic and, and makes it, makes it, you know, feel like you're actually having an impact. I will say, you know, one of the things that, um, that we do somewhat on purpose is we don't tell you exactly how your interventions were judged. Um, and how much of an impact they have um, in part really to reflect real life you know you can do all these things and you're not really sure how that's going to impact you know at the voting booth Um, And so you're sort of, you know, you can see results from polling um, and you, to some extent, have to kind of like in real life kind of muddle through like, well, something we did worked right. So like more of that. But you don't know the exact levers that you pulled that actually made things work and which things didn't work quite as well. Um, And I know that 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 was, you know, some players felt a little bit. Uh, confused by that or or like, well, but did what we do work? (laughs) Uh, But again, you know, we're sort of, to some extent, trying to reflect real life where you're not entirely sure how well those things worked. Um, You can get some sense from the polling and then from the voting as well. Um, But you're, you know, a lot of it is is guesswork in, in reality. And we wanted to reflect that as well.
2: Yeah and it's a challenge in building a game because you know player feedback and them having a sense of you know understanding what they can do and what effect it has is important to just it being a functioning game but I think you know we we struck a pretty good balance and we're we've been refining that as we go with it as well um and keep improving it so I think it worked out very well.
0: Yeah so, um, I think to, to sort of wrap all this up, I mean, if, if you've listened to us talking about this for over half an hour now, um, and you thought it sounded interesting and fun, um, reach out to us, uh, especially if you work for an organization that might want to have us run this for you. Um, it's...
1: we're another game, right? We're or, taking commissions for, yes. for any kind of modeling. You really, the, our sweet spot is the intersection of technology and policy, uh, but we've done games that are, are much broader than that, too.
2: Yeah, and we should maybe, you know, mention there are even a couple specific games we've done in person before that we'd love to start experimenting with on Remo. You know, we we did our Working Futures brainstorming game about technology and trends, you know, in the near future and how they change the way people work. And we had our Howl of Justice game about uh, artificial intelligence judges setting laws and determining uh Crimes and the and the rules and things <laughs> like that, which was a really fun one as well. And you know, we've done a few things like that. Um, again, we had all we had lots of big plans for in person versions of these going forward that are all in limbo. And so we really, really want to experiment more with bringing them onto onto an online space using Remo or, or whatever is appropriate for the game.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, if there's anything, any kinds of ideas that, that, you know, you want to explore sort of, you know, in a more interesting, more fun, more interactive way than, than sort of is typically done, um, reach out to us. This is the kind of stuff that we're having a lot of fun playing around with now. Um, or if if Threatcast or any of those other games sound interesting to you as well, um, you know, I think we were, we've definitely been talking about... You know, trying to do the the working futures thing again, especially sort of looking at what is the future of work post pandemic. Um, because there are a whole bunch of questions there that are different than than when we did working futures uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's uh, really
2: was it was a pandemic, or you know that didn't really come up at all in any of the brainstorming and working futures a couple of years ago, right? And when um, we did the stories, maybe a little bit. And when yeah, we did there the are stories a couple. Them, yeah,
0: a couple areas where that things like that, but I don't think quite to this level. And so yeah,
2: there was a lot more focus on climate issues, right? Um, understandably, so I I just think that's interesting, and it'd be really interesting to do it again because obviously now um, the pandemic is going to be a number one theme across all sorts of stuff. Right. So it's fun. Yeah. That pro- well, probably,
0: I mean, that's, you know, part of going through the process is to figure out, but yes, I would imagine that, you know, a, a lot of scenario planning often, you know, is influenced very strongly by what is actually happening at that moment. Um, you know, though you you try and design any sort of scenario planning thing to to not get too wedded to the exact moment and just just extrapolating out from the most recent things, but obviously they'll be that'll that'll it'll be hard to shake the knowledge of what is going on. Uh, and so you know, I think I think it'd be really interesting to do another scenario planning a, uh, project around the future of work and the future of technology. Um, post pandemic because I think that's it's raised a whole bunch of questions um, and and a lot of different things happening this year and in the past couple of years uh, could certainly change the trajectory of, of how how technology works uh, and how people work so um yeah so if any of this is interesting to you definitely please reach out to us um you know these are these are some really interesting projects that we're working on and we'd love to find uh partners and supporters who can who can help make that happen um and uh yeah but uh, other than that do you guys have any any sort of final thoughts on on threatcast and and games and creating online games instead of in-person games
1: I, just that it's a, a really exciting time to be exploring that intersection, and it feels like we, we discovered a bunch of interesting new behavior patterns and whatnot importing this to Remo, and I'm just excited to continue uh, exploring what can be done and, uh, and then what kind of experiences we can create.
0: Cool, um, so and then with that, uh, thanks to both of you guys uh, for all the work that that you put into this in designing the original game making the online version work running it um, it is it is a lot of work but it's also been a lot of fun um, and really cool to experiment with and thanks to everyone for listening as well uh, and we'll be back next week with another podcast bye bye up